All right, great stuff, man. Love the fact that we get to start off the year just singing about the promises that God has for us and his love. So I've, we've got some special guests in the room tonight that I want to welcome. I want to welcome the moms and dads who are here. So mom and dad, if you are here with us, I want to give a hearty scream, all right, on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. All right, that was, that was decent. So I guess most of the parents are kind of right back there. I was hoping maybe they'd be sitting, you know, right next to the student and things like that. So how many of you, how many of you guys as students, you invited your parents here tonight? Whether you wanted to or not, you invited them. How many of you purposely chose not to invite your parents here? Man, that's messed up. Why are you going to do that? That's not cool. We are glad that moms and dads are here with us at Reckless or what is now potentially known as your teenager's worst nightmare because you're in their space and in their area and they're not cool with that. But we are honored that you guys are here. We love the fact that you're here with us and, um, and here with us over these next few weeks as we're in this series that we're talking about families. And so I was thinking and kind of studying a little bit, trying to figure out what is like in today's culture, what's the typical family look like? Because it's different than it was, you know, 10 years ago or 20 years ago, certainly different than, you know, 40 years ago. And so I was trying to figure out, like, what's the typical family? And the crazy thing is that there is none. So one of the things that I, that I noticed as we start this, uh, this series is that families are more different than they ever have been before. So stats show actually that there is no longer one dominant family form. There is no more kind of cookie cutter family. So you've got some have mom and dad still married and in the same house. And whereas they used to be the vast majority, that's not the case anymore. You've got others who are single parent homes. You've got some that are blended families with step parents and siblings You've even got families where dad is no longer the only one working and making money. So you've got a lot more moms that are in the workforce and some of which are even the primary breadwinner for their families. So each family is, com- is completely different, which is a little bit interesting and maybe even a little bit difficult when you think about how are we going to kind of dive into a family series when, when there are so many things that are different about today's family and today's culture. When there is no more cookie cutter family. But the other thing, here's, here's the other thing that I've noticed that's evident about our families. Is that they seem to be under attack now more than ever before. So every family has issues. Every family has problems that they've got to deal with. And sometimes for, for many of us, if we're frustrated or we're angry or there's you know, some sense of, of pain or hurt or whatever. A lot of times it's the it's directed at the people in our family. So we can get frustrated and angry and all those kind of things. And it can sometimes feel like our idea and, and kind of the, the picture of a healthy family is almost like Bigfoot, right? That it just, it doesn't exist. It's not out there because we don't experience that in our own family. We don't see that in any family of our friends, And it feels like the idea of a healthy family is something that is impossible to achieve. 
But we're doing this series over the next few weeks because we believe that healthy families are possible. So as different as the family structure is, I believe that there are specific characteristics that are necessary to create healthy families. That regardless of kind of how your family breaks out, regardless of what your family looks like right now, that there are similar characteristics across the board that we can apply to our family that can help us experience healthy families and healthy homes. And so over the next three weeks, here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about those specific characteristics. Now, it's not an exhaustive list. There are a ton more that we could get to. But we've kind of narrowed it down to these three in particular that we feel are the most important, the most critical in order for us to experience healthy families. And so you're going to have a chance to hear from families who are who have wrestled with these things, who have experienced the failure and the successes in these areas. You're going to have a chance to hear perspectives from students as well as from moms and dads on the stage. And so you're going to get different perspectives. You're going to hear it from different angles. And you're going to, some of these things that you're going to hear about, these characteristics, you're going to hear how we're able to accomplish these things in particular family situations. And so it is possible no matter how dysfunctional your family may feel at the moment, for you to experience a healthy family dynamic, for you to get to the point, for you to look at your family and believe that your family matters. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to dive right into this kind of this first characteristic that we believe is necessary for healthy families. And here it is. A healthy family requires commitment. A healthy family requires commitment. So a commitment is a, a pledge or a promise. And it's a, it's a word that in today's culture we're not all that great with. We're not really good with commitment. right? We don't want to sign a two-year contract or a commitment with a cell phone company or a cable company. right? I mean, when, when your two-year cell phone contract runs out with T-Mobile or whoever you're with, you're like, thank God I get to get away from that, right? Because T-Mobile sucks and I don't have to worry about that crappy coverage anymore. Right? You, we feel like in some ways we don't want to sign another two-year contract or another two-year commitment. Like we, we don't like that idea. We don't want, maybe we sign up for a job or we commit to a job only to quit when it gets difficult. We may commit to a relationship only to decommit from that relationship when a better relationship comes along. We may have even, over the last few weeks, made some New Year's resolutions, which is a form of a commitment, right? A, a pledge or a promise. Only two weeks in or 10 days in now, we're like, you know what? This isn't really all that easy. I don't really have the desire to do that anymore. And so we bail on that New Year's resolution that we just made, you know, 10 days ago. The point is, we're not that good at commitments. In multiple areas of our life, we just don't like that word. And we sometimes treat our commitment to our family the same way. I don't know if you've ever had a moment and maybe it was in a moment of anger. Maybe you were really frustrated with your family or whatever, where you, would, you felt like, man, I would quit my family if I could. 
right? Like I would pack my stuff up and I would walk out that door right now. For you students, maybe there's something that your mom or dad have done to embarrass you, maybe even publicly. And you're like, man, I don't want to deal with this stuff anymore. I want to, I want to get out of this family. This family drives me crazy. I remember when I, when uh, I was the second oldest of five and my older sister, she would always go, man, when I'm 18, I'm out of here. Right? That was her line. And she was like 11. You know, she just couldn't wait for whatever reason. She just felt like, man, mom and dad are on my case and they need to get off my back. And I just can't wait to get out of here, like to get rid and away from my family. So maybe it's just frustration. Maybe it's embarrassment. But I would bet if it's embarrassment that you have not experienced the form of embarrassment from your mom or your dad that this guy in this video has. Watch this. All right. Now, most of you guys are probably driving, and it's a good thing that you're driving home from school so that dad can't show up in a Speedo to pick you up at the end of school. And I feel like as a dad, I've got to up my game because typically it's like I pick up Carson from middle school, and I'm like, hey, sweetie, I love you. Hey, daddy's over here, you know. But I haven't showed up at school in a Speedo, so I feel like i got to raise my game. Maybe some of your moms and dads are inspired back there to, uh, to publicly humiliate your student in front of everybody. So maybe you've experienced that, right? Maybe you feel like it would just be a whole lot easier without them. And not because they showed up to your school in a Speedo, but maybe in a serious level. Like maybe you've experienced deep hurt and pain from your family. And maybe you feel like you don't want to be all that committed to them. I mean, we all know families who have experienced maybe mom or dad literally getting up and walking out on their family. Maybe they've thrown in the towel on a marriage or on family relationships. But our commitment to our family was never a commitment that we were intended to break. And the reason why that is is because our families have been given to us by God. The reason why our families are such a big deal, the reason why being committed and a commitment to our families is so important is because it was God's idea. So none of us got to choose what, who our parents were. We didn't choose our siblings. We didn't choose our kids. God gave them to us. And it may cause us to question his sanity or his sense of humor at times, but it really shouldn't. Because God has put us in the family that we're in because it's a part of his plan and his purpose for us. Now, God's plan and his purpose for us is not for your mom and dad to walk out on you. It's not for us to experience pain and heartache and dysfunction in our families. But the family is God's idea. God came up with it and God decided to give you the mom and dad or to give you the kids that he gave you. And it's something that he wants us to be committed to. Now, there's there's three things I want to cover to talk about why this commitment is such a big deal and how our our commitment should be lived out. So here's, here's the first thing. Our commitment should be a reflection of God's commitment to us. Our commitment to our families should reflect God's commitment to us. So God created the family to be a place of love, of support, of grace, and instruction. 
But sin, just like it does everything, it entered the picture and it messed everything up. And because of that, we experience dysfunction and we experience pain and we experience mistrust and disappointment. But God, even in the midst of that, no matter how dysfunctional you may feel like your family is, God has given us an example and a picture of how it should work. And it's his own love and commitment to us. So when you and I were enemies of God because of our sin and we were considered orphans, in other words, spiritually speaking, we were without a family, right? We were disconnected. We were out there by ourselves. Jesus stepped into our world and into our mess and he gave up his life for us so that we could be forgiven. And so if any of us come to a place where we receive the forgiveness that Jesus has offered us through the cross, his love and his presence that may have seemed at one point kind of out there and distant and kind of like just an idea, now all of a sudden becomes personal. And now we enter into a relationship with God. And it's not just any relationship. We now become a part of God's family. Listen to what it says in 1 John 3, verse 1. John says, See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us, what? His children. And that is what we are. So John uses the word Father, talking about God, and he uses the word children, talking about us. And what John is saying in this verse is that the incredible measure of God's love for us is that he brings us into his family. He takes those who are orphans, those who don't have a home, those who don't have a family, who don't have a father spiritually, and he brings them into his own family. And he now gives us standing with him as his son or as his daughter, and he becomes our heavenly father. And one of the things that makes this so amazing about what God does for us is that that relationship will never change. God will not be our our heavenly father one minute and then because of whether we have a good day or a bad day, we don't become his his son or his daughter anymore. Like that relationship and that standing with God is always ours. We are always a part of his family and God will always stay committed to us. And what makes this even a step further is not only do we stay in the family of God, does he stay committed to us? But he works every day for the rest of our lives to make us more like him and to help us grow deeper and further in that relationship with him. That our relationship and our connection with God in that moment where we receive forgiveness and salvation doesn't stay at that level of relationship. God's desire is for us to continue to grow deeper in our walk with him and to grow stronger in that relationship where that commitment, not only that he has to us, but then we have to him is stronger than it was when we first started. So 
So God shows us the value of family. And what he desires by giving us that picture of his commitment to us is for us to be committed to our own family in the same way that he's committed to us. Which means we don't give up on each other. Which means we work every single day to grow in that relationship with our son or our daughter or our mom or our dad. And in our commitment to each other. Because it's a reflection of his commitment to us. Here's the second thing. Our commitment should be guided by truth. Proverbs 22 verse 6. Here's what the writer says. And he's talking to parents. He says, parents, direct your children onto the right path. And when they are older, they will not leave it. What, is it, what does it mean, the right path? What is the writer talking about? He's not talking about the path of success or of fame. He's not talking about all these other paths that we feel like as moms or dads are the best path for our kid to take. In fact, for you parents in the room, your greatest contribution to your student won't be helping them get good grades. It won't be coaching them to a successful sports career. It won't even be teaching them to be a good person. Our greatest contribution as parents to our students, to our kids, will be to help them passionately love and follow Jesus. That is the greatest commitment that we can possibly take. That is the right path that we can direct our kids on. And here's the thing that I think, man, I've been challenged with this as a parent, maybe this year more than ever before is that my kids are counting on me to have a close walk with Jesus. They're counting on me to walk closely with God. And man, that has been such a challenge for me in those moments where I'm like, man, either we don't sometimes feel like we know what to do, or maybe we just get a little bit apathetic. Or maybe, maybe even sometimes we kind of say, no, the, the church will do a good job of that. And yet as moms and dads, our greatest contribution to our student is to help them passionately love and follow Jesus. And, we, and it starts with us walking that out ourselves. And that can be a really difficult thing sometimes for us as parents. We may struggle sometimes feeling like we really even know where to begin to help our our teenager love and follow after Jesus. And maybe for some of you parents, you showing up here tonight is maybe is is a great starting place. For you to say, hey, I'm not really entirely sure what this looks like. I'm not really sure how to go about this. But man, I want to help my son or my daughter love Jesus with everything they've got. And God equips us and he guides us in truth to help our student do that and in our commitment to them. Maybe for some of you students, I know you, there's a lot of you guys that you're the only believer in your family. Like it's hard for you to be committed to your family, especially when it comes to spiritual things because you feel like you're the only one that believes this. And maybe mom and dad have left or you felt abandoned or there's just issues and things where you feel like your mom or your dad right now aren't stepping up to the plate and encouraging you or leading you spiritually. 
And even if you find yourself in that place, you can be encouraged that God will still equip you and give you everything you need. And God may put you in a situation and a, and a family for you to be the one that's leading them. And God can equip you to go about doing that. That God can guide you in the truth and that by your commitment level to your mom or your dad, even when they're a place where they don't believe what you believe, you can shine a light and help them understand and see who Jesus is. Here's the third thing. Our commitment should be proven by quality time. Now, there's, there's a very practical application to this. We just don't spend much time together, right? I mean, I think what makes this so difficult is that we're so busy. We're busier than we ever have been. We feel like as a family, we're going in 17 different directions. We may see each other for 20 or 30 minutes a day, and it's really hard for us to have any quality time together. And especially when teenagers are in the house and they want their independence, right? So for you teenagers, you feel like, man, I don't really want my parent all up in my business. And maybe you get home from school and you march up to your room and you slam the door shut and you're there for six hours. And there's just a whole lot of reasons why it's really difficult for us to have quality time with our family. But how vitally important it is for us if we're going to experience the commitment level and the health in our families that God wants if we're never spending any quality time together. And as a, as a dad, here's what I've realized over the last year is that there are a lot of days, more days than I wish there were, where I feel like my family gets my leftovers. Right, like depending on how crazy the day has been, how busy it's been, how stressful it's been, work's been crazy. I feel overwhelmed with things that are going on. Maybe I got a lack of sleep the night before. Maybe there's 17 other things I feel like I've got on my plate. And I come in at the end of the work day to see my family in those critical hours that we have together, and I'm spent. And I've got a, a quick fuse, and I'm frustrated already, and the littlest thing may set me off. And I take a step back and realize, man, my family's supposed to get the best of me, and they're getting the worst. Rather than getting everything that I have to offer them, rather than them being the, the top priority in my life, there's all these other things that have been stacked up on top of them, and they just get whatever is left of me. And how important it is for us not to just say that we're committed to each other. Not just to make that decision in our heart that, man, I, I want to be more committed to my family. But to prove that by the quality time that we spend together. And we've got to be willing to rearrange priorities. To move things around so that our commitment to our family is the most important thing. Because if our relationship with God is the most important relationship that he's, or our relationship with our family is the most important relationship that we have other than our relationship with God, then it is necessary and even vital for us to rearrange our lives to make sure that we are spending time together to grow in that relationship with each other. So our commitment to our family should be a reflection of God's commitment to us. It should be guided by truth. 
And it should be proven by quality time. Moms and dads, I know that there are maybe some students in the room who have felt like or maybe doubted or wondered whether or not you are, they are a priority in your life. And maybe it's because of job or other things that have gotten in the way. Maybe it's because of the career path that you're on. But I know because we talk to teenagers a lot where there is a frustration there feeling like, man, do mom and dad really care about me? Is that commitment level really there? And what they need from us as parents is for us not to just communicate that, but for us also to show that, to prove that by the time that we spend with them. To let them know that they are valued by us. To let them know that they are our priority. And that we are committed to them. Now, the flip side of that is, students, I know there's probably many of your parents that they may question the same thing about you. Maybe because of the lack of time that you spend with them. Maybe because of the lack of respect that you show them. Maybe because of the attitude that you give to them or whatever you may communicate to them verbally or in other ways. They may question whether or not you care and love them. And what your mom and dad need is to understand and to hear you communicate to them and to show them that you are thankful for them, that you do value them in their life, in your life. And that you do desire for them to do some of those things that God has put them in your life to do, to guide you towards truth and to help you understand right from wrong and to help shape you into the men and the women that God desires for you to be. And so maybe the starting point for all of us is just to start by communicating that to each other. To begin to take a step back and say, God, you've given us a clear picture of your commitment to us and how you never give up on us and you are patient with us and long-suffering with us. And in those moments where you could easily throw in the towel, God, you continue to pour out your love and your grace on us. And so God, in the way that you have shown that to me, God, would you help me as difficult as it may be sometimes to do the same thing for my family, to show my kids that same commitment that you've shown me, to show my mom or my dad that same commitment that you've shown me. And the end result, when it starts with us being more committed to each other and understanding that God has placed these people in our life, to be the greatest relationship in our life apart from our relationship with him, that we would begin to value that and be committed to those relationships and have those difficult conversations and open up the lines of communication so that we can experience health in those relationships like God desires for us to experience. Let's pray together. God, may we get a clear picture not necessarily of what our family is, but what our family can be. What you desire to do in the midst of our family. God, I know there is so much hurt and there's so much brokenness and there's so much dysfunction in families all throughout our community. God, I pray that you would pour out your presence 
and your spirit. God, I pray that you would bring about hope and restoration. God, that you would redeem these broken relationships that exist. God, would you start it by giving us an understanding and a picture of your commitment to us. That you will never leave us or forsake us. That you will never give up on us. And that you desire every single day to help us grow in that connection and that relationship with you. And God, may you bring about that same commitment level in our families. God, we look to you to do that. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.